it took some 40 years for the Jews to build the temple in Jerusalem. They wasted no cost, the most precious things. It was the dwelling place of the Ark of the Covenant. This was the great covenant that God had established through the Ten Commandments with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. And this is where the dwelling place of God was. And in the year 70 AD, the Romans were fed up with the Jews and they destroyed that temple. And you could say, well, why don't they just rebuild the temple? Once something is destroyed, we like to rebuild it. Well, by the end of the first century, see, the priesthood of Judaism died out. And there were no more priests. And in priesthood, you have to lay on physically, literally hands on the head of a man to make him a priest. So here we are 2,000 years later, and people today will go to the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, and what are they doing when they're doing this, knocking their heads up against those stones? They're wailing. They're mourning not only the destruction of the temple, but the loss of their priesthood. Judaism lost its priesthood by the end of the first century. Therefore, there is no more sacrifice offered by Judaism technically because there is no temple and there is no sacrifice by priests. Everything today is the synagogue, the, the place where they gather to reflect on the word by a rabbi, but not a priest. Now that's very significant because for them, 2,000 years ago, to see the destruction of the house of God, the temple, was the most tragic event for Judaism, really, religiously. It was the most tragic event, which is why they wail, even to this day, mourning the loss of the temple and their priesthood. Now, that's the context for Luke's gospel. See, this is the year 70 AD, and there's been a lot going on since 33 AD when Jesus was crucified and raised and ascended. St. Paul is coming on the scene around 40 AD or so. He did not know Jesus personally. He's writing. And now you have Peter and Paul imprisoned by Nero in Rome. Paul will be beheaded because his father was a Roman, and therefore he was given the dignity of an execution by sword. Peter, being Jewish, was executed by crucifixion, upside down, on the Vaticanum a hill outside of Rome. So this is the context, historically. When you hear of wars and insurrections, all these things, earthquakes and famines and plagues and fires, and we can add to that list even today, right? Plagues and famines and earthquakes and disease and terrorism and shootings, and the list goes on and on, and we listen to all of that. We hear of all of that. And just as much in the time of Jesus as it is in every century, we have a choice to make. You can either panic and grow so afraid, so fearful, that you really do believe this is the end. For the Jews 2,000 years ago, they really believed this was the end. With the destruction of the temple, they were doomed. And with the loss of their priesthood, they were doomed. This is what they really thought and felt. It was really a bad end time for them. And what does Jesus say? They're remembering this now after his resurrection. They remembered his words. Do not be 
afraid. And then they would remember those first words after his resurrection. Not, where were you on Friday when I needed you? Or I'm going to judge you and condemn you for betraying me. But what did Jesus say? Peace. Peace be with you. Not as the world gives it. Not as the world understands peace. As only I can give you peace. So in the midst of all these fears... All the wars, the beginning of the demise of the Roman Empire. This was the end time for Rome. This was the beginning. You see, the world was coming to an end in their mind. And here we are 2,000 years later. We say, we look around and we say, many would say, wow, these are the end times. There's a lot going on that people will begin to worry and, and become so anxious about the state of affairs, nationally, internationally, in the state, in the church, everywhere. Oh my God, it's chicken little, right? The, the, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. It's always... Now, it's very important that we attend to Jesus in the midst of all these crises, everywhere, politically, spiritually, financially, whatever's going on socially in family life, in the changes of technology, the uncertainties of things, where is it all going? Where is it all going? And if you attend to those voices too much, you will really panic. How many of us turn on the TV, the radio, our social media, our cell phones, everything, and my God, you can't go anywhere unless you simply choose to go to some music app and escape, right? But it's all around us. We're bombarded constantly by war, plagues, fires, famines, shootings. Oh, my God. The list goes on and on and on. And if you attend to that, if you have an antenna in your psyche that attends to that station, that voice, or those voices at that end of the spectrum, you're going to get caught up into fear and anxiety or depression panic. And our Lord is saying, when these things happen, that does not necessarily mean the end. Okay? Not the big apocalypse, not the big end of the world. He's encouraging his disciples in their time to stand strong before the voices of a culture that want to destroy their faith. You all know that when tough times occur in your life as a family or what you're going through with health or wealth, when you're really afraid, you have a moment there to give in to the fear or you give yourself over to faith. So there's fear and there's faith. And this is not just cheap preaching. This is not just pie-in-the-sky stuff. You all know, because you're here. You know, if you connect the dots over your life, there are so many events in your life where you said, OMG, oh my God. How did I get through that? I was so afraid. I was so 
anxious. I was so depressed. I was so lost. I was confused. I was thinking of suicide, perhaps. Yeah. When those things happen, you have the fear, and here's the invitation to greater faith. And it's real. It's very real. The power of the faith. You have it already within you by baptism. The disciples will say to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase it. Give me more faith. And he will do that. He'll give you the faith to trust that all will be well. The other context of this 2,000 years ago was not only the loss of the temple, but here are the early Jews who converted now and following Jesus. They're being persecuted. James was the first, the bishop of Jerusalem, beheaded. The others, within a very short time, were all killed. Even Paul, the great Paul, beheaded in 70, 72 AD. By the end of the first century, it was a bad scene. And it would get worse until Constantine comes on the scene, 300, and things begin to reverse. But then come the Dark Ages, another millennium, another millennium. Look back on all that time and to say, did we learn anything from this? We were always so worried that we wouldn't make it to the year 1000. The millennialists were saying, the end of the world. And nothing changed because in 1999, I remember everyone was saying, oh, are we going to make it to 2000? Remember that? Uh, we're on the verge of 2020, everyone. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Our Lord is saying that. Oh, yes, there are fears. But how do you manage that? How do you manage all that stuff of the world that says it's bad constantly, constantly? I wish we could have one newspaper one social media, that maybe it's, it's there, I don't know, that just simply publishes the good stuff. The great stuff that's happening. The good news that's happening all around us. If we attend to that radio station, see? If we attend to the good. I'm using the analogy now because the body, the mind, is like an antenna. It will attract, it will pick up the energy waves, the the, the electrical currents, and, and, and you begin to get kind of zapped by it if you're not careful. You can attend to the voices that say, evil, man is evil, everyone in politics is evil, welcome to Washington. You can, you can get into that voice, right? Or you shift the station to the voice of Jesus. And that's what he's saying. Come to me, all you who find life burdensome, wearisome, anxious, wherever you are, and I will refresh you. That's the voice of Jesus, the Jesus station. And we need to turn that volume a little bit up, right? And turn down the other volume. Oh, it's always going to be there, the other stuff, but turn it down a little bit. Turn it off on occasion. And turn up the volume of Jesus and ask yourself in your family life or wherever you are, are you reading the Bible? <laughs> Do you read the New Testament at all? I know you're Catholic. You don't read the Bible, right? 
but start reading it. Pick it up. We do that every Sunday. We, we go through three years, a cycle of year A, Matthew, year B, Mark, year C, Luke. We're starting Matthew again in a couple of weeks with the new liturgical year of Advent. John is always throughout. We get Paul's letters. Wow, over three years, you're getting a lot of the Old Testament and the New every Sunday. And to attend to that, to tune in, as I said, like the antenna, tune in to that station. And, and pick up the readings. You can get them right on your app or whatever you've got. Right on the computer, we've got missalettes. Prepare those. Re- begin to reflect on the word. Tune in to the word of God. And tune out more and more the word out there on the streets. Not to ignore it, but to attend to the voices that will bring you faith, greater hope, more love. The stuff of Jesus. That's the good news. This is good news. He puts things into perspective for us. He says, look, don't get consumed by the culture. Don't drink too much of that stuff. It will kill you. See? Now, here's the twist, see? Because we think, oh, if we simply pull together all our resources, as we said last Sunday, if we can simply pull it all together, then we can conquer all these earthquakes and fires and famines and disease and shootings and terror. We, 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 can, we can do this. Friends, we've been doing that over and over and over again since the dawn of time. And in our country in particular, as generous Americans who abide by law and the rights of the human person, all these great Catholic doctrines that our founding fathers put together, my God, this is the stuff after 250 years of American enterprise, we're saying, I thought we solved all that stuff. I thought we solved those plagues. I thought we had the answers. I thought we got rid of those diseases. And now they're coming back in different forms. Oh my God. And you say to yourself, if you think that we could simply solve all the world's problems by our own efforts, then those problems won't come back. Well, they do come back. They'll always come back in various shapes and sizes and forms. But when they come back and you've devoted your whole life as a public servant or in the military, and you come back to all of that, you say, I spent my whole life devoted to solving those problems, and I thought we took care of that back in 1932 or 1956 or 1985 or whenever we took care of it. And you get very depressed, and you get very angry. If you listen to the voice of the culture too much and think that you can solve it or that we can solve it, Jesus will solve it with faith. Oh, yes, he uses us as his stewards. We have to pull together. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is the invitation to greater faith. That's what brings us together. I'm always amazed when the Redskins win or the Nats, fantastic, and they say throughout the media, this is when Washington comes together. Have you heard that? These events bring Washington together. Okay, for a day. Oh, okay, a week. 
Then everyone goes back to the same old thing. That was yesterday. That was nice. If Jesus Christ himself came to Washington, even he, with all respect, could not bring us together. What? Yeah. Because there are so many voices that are opposed to him. There's a lot of voices that are very opposed. This is what he's saying. Before all this happens, they will seize and persecute you. They'll hand you over to kings and governors because of me. Not because of you. Not because of your efforts. Because you're trying to align your efforts with me in faith, and they hate that. They do. Look at what he says. You'll be handed over by your parents, your brothers, your relatives, and friends. That's family life. They'll put some of you to death. And then the big one, you will be hated by all. You will be hated by all because of my name. Isn't that sad? He's talking about curse in this context, the early church, with the persecutions that were beginning. But the persecutions go on because of your faith. You can't say this. You can't pray that in public. You can't mention the word Jesus. It's, well, really? Don't give in to that. That's your faith. That's your freedom. You can do that. You do it prudently, but you do it. And they'll hate you still. There are times when I'm walking to the metro and people spit on me because I'm a priest. I know that. I don't know why they do that. Maybe they are scandalized and they take it out on me. Maybe they don't love Jesus. Maybe they have a problem with the church. Or maybe they just see me as someone who won't sue them because I'm a nice guy. I'm a priest. They don't sue. Really? It's payback time. (laughs) But you take it on the chin because it's not about you. They don't hate me. They've got a problem with God and Jesus, maybe, and the church, but it's all in the complex of things. And this is a lightning rod. This collar is a lightning rod. I'm no martyr. I don't like to be spat upon. I don't like confrontation. I don't like those. But I know, as a public person, you'll get people that just really don't like you. That's okay. They don't hate me. Don't take it personally. They've got something else going on in them, and they're angry. They've attended to the voices of the culture way too much. That radio station is so big. And that's what they're buying into. And they're reading the sound bites, and they want to repeat it, and it makes them feel powerful. You would have no power whatsoever over me unless it came to you from my Father in heaven. Jesus confronts even Pontius Pilate that way. The power of the world, the power of the empire. You have no power over me. Friends, no one has power over you. No one has power over you unless you allow it. So you need to turn that switch off or turn it way down. And turn up the power of Jesus 
that gives you that courage, that strength, that conviction. I can stand strong. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives, he says. By your perseverance. That's why we come here. We come here because we believe that that gift of courage and strength and perseverance comes from the great example of the one whom they hated and crucified. And the comeback kid, three days later, said, not, I'm going to kill you. I'm not going to condemn you. I love you. Peace be with you. Peace is my gift to you. Reflect today on those words after the Our Father, when we pray together. Deliver us, O Lord, from every evil. Grant us peace in our days. By the help of your grace, help me out here. I know, I know it. Free us from every evil, deliver us from, every, from, the free, uh, from distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming, and he comes even now under forms of bread and wine that give us courage and his peace. Be strong in Jesus. He'll be strong through you.